everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 171 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So as runners, we know that food is very important because we need to fuel our body as athletes. But today on Thanksgiving, we're going to talk about how food is so much more than fuel and how sometimes that is even more important to think about. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so happy Thanksgiving to to anyone that's listening to this on the day that we release it. If not, we hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving to those of you that are here in the United States along with us and those of you that are international. We hope you're having a great week, Um, and I think it's always a good chance to just take a step back and think about all the things in our lives that we can be thankful for. And we talk about gratitude a lot on the podcast and being grateful for our bodies and running and all the things that we're able to do. And so we just encourage you to just take a moment and think about how much running brings to your life. Since this is a running podcast, right? How grateful are you for running and all of the beautiful things it's added to your life? It's really nice. And it spreads spreads the love and gratitude around the world. And it's yeah. not just a U.S. Thanksgiving, let's eat as much food as we possibly can podcast. <laughs> right. But today we are talking about food. So for those of you that have been listening to us for a while, you've probably caught some of our past nutrition episodes, right? Because we here at Real Life Runners believe that to be a good runner, it's about more than just running. It's about really three main areas. It's about your mind, your body, and your running skills. And it's important to train all three of those areas for success. And that's why in our Real Life Runners training system, we have seven different pillars that all fit into those three areas that help to train your mindset, your effort level, your pacing, your strength training and mobility, your running form, breathing, recovery, nutrition, goals and plans, all the things that you need to become a better runner. And nutrition is definitely one part that is critical if you want to become a better runner, if you want to avoid injury, if you want to recover better, get stronger, get faster, you really need to pay attention to what you're eating. Yeah, I mean, you you went through a lot of things that you need to take care of. And there's a reason why we, we knocked this down to three. And it's not just because I enjoy geometry. And if you have a three-legged stool, it actually can't wobble at all, which is awesome. Um, and why they should make a whole lot more three-legged stools instead of four that all wobble all over the place. <laughs> But nutrition is is core to the whole like runner's body aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of plays into the other part because you can't really get any of the other things if you're not actually fueling yourself appropriately yeah. as a runner. And I'm sure we have an episode on fuel as a runner. I know that we have a, a whole pillar inside of our program as fuel as an athlete. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. I think it was maybe like 165 or so. It was like fuel... Fuel Like an Athlete. That was our um, the name of our podcast a, a few weeks ago or a couple months ago. And that is a great one. So, you know, we'll link to that in the show notes. Go back and listen to that because it's very, very important for us to fuel as athletes. That is going to help you to succeed in whatever goal it is that you're chasing. Right. Because like you, I mean, the name of this episode is food is more than fuel. Like that's kind of like the gist of what we're going here. But food is 
also fuel like as runners you got to put fuel in the tank whether you're prepping for a run you're trying to recover after a run you go off on some super long run you have fuel during the run like there is the aspect that that food is in fact the fuel so you have to put good food into it so that you can actually be the best athlete that you can Right. And that is something that we do cover extensively inside our Real Life Runners Training Academy. So if you're a member of our training team, you have access to all of those lessons that we have created for you on fueling like an athlete, fueling as a runner, like high carb versus low carb. There's differences in protein levels. There's fat intake. There's all of these different things, right? Because everybody wants to think about macros and are you meeting your macros and are you restricting your calories enough so that you could lose weight or are you eating enough so you can gain weight like runners have different needs and runners have different training levels and so you really need to tailor your nutrition to your training goals to your training load to the type of body that you naturally have to your genetics like to your stress levels there's so many things that go into figuring out your fueling as a runner Right. And then one of the big things in that, besides obviously all the very personal physical aspects of it is what are your goals out of that run? Like at the end of the day, what are you trying to get out of not just that run, but that general training cycle? Like you need to make sure that you're fueling before runs and that you're rebuilding after runs. You can't have some sort of crazy restrictive diet. One, it just, it's not a great long-term plan when you start throwing the restrictions in. And, and two, it has to be the right balance for you. Like you can't go over the top if you're like, okay, well, I know that I need to constantly be taking in food because I'm training for this marathon run. If you feel uncomfortable every time you're eating that much food as you train for a marathon you might need a different goal like your your running goals and your eating habits they need to match together so that you feel comfortable with both sides of it right so it's just important that you understand all of that and for more details on that you can go back and check out our past episode number 162 so that's more about some of the details of fueling like an athlete so check that out and then again members of our training team you guys have all the lessons inside the training academy that you can listen to so today we really want to focus on the other aspect of food because I think that especially in the diet culture that we find ourselves in today, right? Every, like the diet culture itself is a billion dollar industry, right? I mean, people spend so much money on the latest diets, on all these fad diets. It's like, are you keto? Are you paleo? Are you vegan, vegetarian? There's so many different choices out there and all of them are the best all of them are the best and not just are they the best but all the rest of them are the worst the worst <laughs> and the truth of the matter is if you really look into them which i have okay i've looked into a lot of these they all work right but it's a matter of how well do those fit into your lifestyle okay because i'll be honest with you i tried i've tried a lot of these because i like to experiment i i used to have that diet mentality. I used to have that mentality of restriction, how I only wanted to do things because my weight was the number one thing. I wanted to lose weight. That's the mentality that I came from. So I did buy into a lot of that diet mentality and I am now 
I would say a recovering, you know, um, from that, like I <laughs> recovering restrictive diet, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I don't, I don't believe in it anymore. Right. I don't believe that we should be restricting because it's a lot of times it's that restriction that can then fuel the binges, right. Or the going overboard and going in excess. Like I believe in moderation. I believe that if I want chocolate, I'm going to eat chocolate, but I'm not going to go and eat like an entire tub of chocolate ice cream. I'm going to have a little bit. I'm going to control my portion sizes because otherwise I just won't feel good. Like it's not about me gaining weight. It's not about worrying about that. And yes, you know, people will say, oh, that might be nice for you. But like you can do this too. Like it doesn't have to be uh, an us versus them, a me versus you. Like you can adopt this, you know, intuitive eating, actually listening to your body. What makes your body feel good? What doesn't make it feel good? Like that's really where the best area to fall in. I remember when I was in college and I ate an entire tub of ice cream and I didn't feel awful for like three days afterwards. Now just the thought of finishing off an entire tub of ice cream sort of makes my stomach gurgle just a little bit. You did feel awful or you didn't at all? When I was in college? Not at all. Not at all. No. No, I just, I would, you know, we'd go to the, what was the convenience store on campus? Uh, The Huddle? The Huddle, yes. And I would get like, you know, it wasn't the giant size, it was the, the... the Ben and Jerry size? I thought you were referring to the ice cream eating contest that you did. With the ice cream eating contest, I did not feel great yeah. afterwards. That was a lot of ice cream. Well, in a very short amount of time. Kevin put some linebackers to shame, like Notre Dame linebackers they to shame. They were not on the team. There was a there was a larger gentleman at the table who was pretty confident that this skinny guy was not going to be in an ice cream <laughs> eating contest. <laughs> he made some suggestion about like why I was even attempting. I suggested I wasn't sure why he was attempting. And then went ahead and won. There you go. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways we can think about food. But today we really want to think about food as being more than just fuel. Because, yes, food is fuel. That is one way that we need to think about it as runners. We need to fuel our body appropriately so that we can get out of our body what we want to get out of it. But we also need to think about it as something more than fuel. Because if you just think about food as fuel, that can kind of go down that dangerous path of the diet culture and the diet mentality and the restrictions. And I'm only doing this because of the the body type that I want or because of the weight goal that I have. And I can't go out with my friends because it's not that restaurant doesn't have anything that will fit into my plan. Like once it starts becoming to that level, and again, I know this level too. And my family used to make comments all the time that like they would have to change what they're making because Angie's coming over for dinner. Like that's not a good place to be in because then your family, your friends, like they don't want to hang out with you as much if you're going to be the one or they think that you're judging them. Right. They don't want to hang out with you. You feel uncomfortable hanging out with them. Everyone just feels weird about like what's being served. They're like, well, I guess I'm going to have to completely change what I make or not change what I make and then feel uncomfortable comfortable that she's going to end up eating something that she doesn't really want to mm-hmm. be eating or not invite her. Yeah. Or it's, it's yeah. just uncomfortable for it's everybody. Uncomfortable, involved. Right. And so if you're only thinking about food in that restrictive sense of, I need to fuel my body and I can't put any junk in my body and I can only put in 100% wholesome ingredients. That's just not healthy either. Like there, when you obsessively think about food like that, that is not a healthy relationship with food. And that's really what we want to help promote is we want to promote a healthy lifestyle. Yes, this is a running podcast, but it's about more than running. It's about 
being a healthy person. And part of that is having a healthy relationship with food. And if you only think about food as fuel and only think that you can you can't stray you can only eat certain foods you can only eat a certain way and you it that will take away your enjoyment of food and quite honestly that stinks yes yes taking away your enjoyment <laughs> of food stinks. doesn't sound like a right. like food's awesome like sorry i can't eat pasta like really that's not a life i want to live like and and i was living that and it wasn't like I felt good about myself because I felt like I was doing something good. But like part of me was kind of like this isn't the best thing either because I also have to watch the way I eat around my girls, right? Because I don't want to teach them that there are certain foods that it's okay for them to eat, but mommy can't eat that. Like that's not – unless there's an allergy or something else going on. Unless there's an actual straight-up allergy or intolerance. Intolerance, yeah. This food is great, but it actually – it gives me hives. Yeah, it doesn't make my body feel good. Right. Like that's a good good way to put it. That's completely legitimate. And as they get older, they're they're pretty good about sensing like – okay, well, I can eat this, but I can't eat that much of it. I mean, we didn't really hold them back on Halloween of, like, how much candy they could have. Mm -hmm. They were pretty good at limiting themselves of, like, okay, well, I can have a piece. I can actually probably have all these pieces, but not at once. Like, I can have a piece, and then maybe a little bit later I can have another one because we both said that you could have as much candy as you want. And, And they still didn't, like, eat... A pound of candy in one sitting because yeah. they knew that that was not going to end well. Yeah. Because if, if we want to really think about it, we humans are social beings, okay? And this is one of the reasons that I love food. I am a mix of lots of different cultures, but one of them is Italian. And that's one of the ones that I really connect with um, because – as a as an Italian, like meals connect people. Like cooking for people, especially now that I know how to cook and I know how to cook well, I love cooking for other people. When people like my food, that just like makes me so happy. And that really is a way for me to express my love to other people by cooking good food that it's going to not only taste good, but also nourish them. Because obviously I do try to cook more healthy. I don't you know, I like to search out ways to make traditional dishes a little bit healthier um, so that you can eat it and just feel better, you know, because like sometimes when like the old traditional sauces are very heavy with like butters or creams or flours and you just kind of have that like gut bomb afterwards, like how can we change this up so that we just feel better eating it? Right. I mean, but food very much has this traditional, like the recipes passed down. Oh, this is the same recipe that my grandma made. And like, I've got to make these cookies, especially as we hit the holiday season. Like people have yeah. certain foods that they've been eating for literally generations. And mm-hmm. now like, like the, the one generation is passing on the recipe, which isn't a recipe. It's some of this and a little of that and some, uh, just a little bit more of that. And it comes <laughs> together. Like that's the recipe. It is. I had to like go to my grandma's house and actually make the recipe that I wanted to learn from her with her and then write it down because she had no idea what any of the measurements were. Right, but she had actually changed the recipe from how she learned it. She did. Because she wanted to change the recipe so that her husband enjoyed it more. Right, because my grandfather did not like the way it was traditionally made. Right, I forget there was something in it. That, it was the dried fruits. That like, was it. Yeah, it was the, the combination of dried fruits. That he She basically made it only the golden raisins that went in instead of like all the other dried fruits that used to be inside of the, the nut roll is yes. what she calls it. Yes. Which yeah. I mean, it used to have a whole other names and all sorts mm-hmm. of other stuff, but it's y- cake. you've got to refine it over time so that it works for you. So this whole idea of, well, I have to make that exactly the same way that like my grandparents made it. You don't like you, 
you can be influenced by that recipe and make amazing food that still would make your grandparents proud of of what you're serving. I like the way that you put that. But yeah, I mean, and sometimes if you like the way that it is made, then just make it that way, right? 100%. Like, you know, because this is the thing that you're, especially the holidays, right? In the holidays, we eat things that we wouldn't normally eat. And so if you eat those once a year, it's not going to be a big deal. I'm thinking of my mother's fudge. This is not something that I would consume throughout the year. And yet, I know that it's going to get shipped here. Like it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. coming, it's coming nicely packaged with like 17 pieces of paper wrapped around it in a little box. And in the box will be Tupperware. And in the Tupperware will be multiple layers of wax paper and mm-hmm. fudge that she's made since, I was, since before I was born. Right. Like that's my mom's fudge. And I'm going to have some. And so will the girls. And you're mm-hmm. not a big fan of it. But it's just a little too sweet for me. It's it's delicious. If my mother-in-law is listening to this, you make delicious fudge. But like there's just like certain things that, you know, I don't like it when things are too sweet. If it, like, And that's just my personal preference. Right, because the chocolate on it is is very milk chocolate. Like there's not a lot of dark chocolate that, that almost like the bitterness, bitterness flavor. Yeah. And that's the kind of chocolate you love. Mm-hmm. But this fudge is Christmas to me. Mm-hmm. And there's something to be said about that. Oh, that absolutely. Like, okay, well... I'm going to have this and I'm not going to have it in the middle of March. Like I, I have the recipe. It's in our pantry. I could make this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make it for St. Patrick's Day. One, it would melt. And two... And two, they don't have Christmas colored M&Ms that could go in it. Which is the requirement, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but but you can have foods that are not like part of the part of your regularly scheduled program. <laughs> like you can have them at special times. You just don't have to have, you know, the plate full of cookies. Well, because when your mom does send the fudge, it is. It's like a small Tupperware can container and that will last us at least a month or two totally like it's not like you consume all of it in that week you break it up and you space it out and you have a little bit and then you go back and you have some more but it's not like you consume all of it and I think this is where we need to kind of start to get our mind wrapped around this idea of when we restrict okay if you do have this sort of diet mentality and restrict then you do have an increased tendency to binge on things when they are available but if you have the mentality of I can have that whenever I want it and I can have as much of it as I want to then you can start to figure out okay how much of it do I actually want right how much do I want like it's delicious on the first bite. Is it still delicious on the 50th bite? Or are you just eating it because you think it's going to disappear and never be back? Right. Like that's that's a big aspect. I know we, uh, I don't know how the setting's going to be this year, but our teacher appreciation Christmas lunch always has like three or four tables with desserts, like homemade desserts from all of the families. And they're there's the food sitting there. There's not enough teachers for each of us to like make an enormous plate and eat it right there. And at the end of the table are to-go boxes. It's fully accepted that you're going to take some. My first year there, I was still living solo. Were you still? I can't remember. Um, yeah, well, you when you first started teaching, that was yeah. the month that, or that was the year we got married, I believe. Uh, or right before. Yeah, it was before. Yeah, okay. So I Yeah, still, you were by your you were on your own that first Christmas. That first Christmas. Yeah. So I filled up a to-go thing as though I was not going to be eating for Christmas. <laughs> like as though that was the last of the food that there would be until the next year. And it was it was nuts. Last year, I filled up enough that we could have some treats, but there was nothing that had to get thrown out. Mm. Like that's the problem with the first one is I was not going to sit down and eat all of these cookies. Actually, I think we did throw them out and that was okay <laughs> because we 
also understand that you don't have to eat it. Yes. Like that's another part of intuitive eating is that you don't have to eat it if you're full or if you um, just don't want anymore, you know, and that was another thing that I had to overcome because when I was growing up, it was a clean your plate, uh, right? The it, clean plate club. Clean plate club. You know, that was, that was definitely a part of the culture growing up that I had to clean my plate. And I now know that that's not the best way to think about food is that how it's because then it's teaching you how to ignore your body cues. If you feel like you're full, but someone else is telling you, you need to clean your plate, then you're literally teaching yourself to ignore the fullness cues that your body is trying to send you and to continue to put food in your body. So then you, you're just messing up this, those signals. And then that, will affect us, you know, as we get older. Right. Cause then, then you're learning what you're not actually learning what full feels like. Yeah. Full, I struggle. Full is when my plate disappears. Yeah. I struggle with this with, you know, raising our kids because of the way that I was raised and like allowing them now to not finish their plate, you know, and, and, teaching them how to serve an appropriate portion size. And then you can always go back and take more, you know, if you're still hungry, but starting with like a smaller portion and kind of seeing how you feel after that. I think that's one of the biggies. I know that's a big one for me, especially with Thanksgiving coming up, yeah. is underserving my first plate mm -hmm. and then ignoring the look that you give me that I don't have enough food sitting on my plate because <laughs> I know I'm going back for round two. It's just going to be how big is round two? How am I feeling? Yeah. Is there's going to be more food because ultimately there's got to be some fuel for me. Right. So understanding that food is part of our social connection, right? And sharing meals with other people is a very important part of food as well. And when we think of food only as fuel, that can hinder some of that other you know, the, some of the other goodness surrounding food and gathering for meals. So how does this work in a year that we're not supposed to gather, right? Because I love, like I said, I love gathering. I love feeding people. I love cooking delicious food. And this year I really can't do it the same way that I would really like to. Right. I mean, you've got to kind of balance your, uh, your safety levels with your sanity levels because a lot of people like Thanksgiving and, and really all the holidays, it's a time to come together in big groups. But now is really probably not the time to say, all right, my quarantine's done and I'm going to gather with a hundred people and throw a big giant blowout party. Like that's just not the safest thing, but you also probably don't need to lock yourself in a closet and eat solo. Like there is a middle ground and that middle ground, just the same as what food you're putting into the body, that ground of who you can gather with and how you're going to gather is going to be different from person to person. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, we're definitely not going to make any recommendations as far as that goes, but like it does need to be a very personal choice. And I think that it's important for us to keep in mind all of the guidelines, all of the recommendations of the governing bodies and authorities and the people that know more than we do when it comes to um, the virus and the spread and all of that. But then also, like Kevin said, balancing that with maybe a new idea of the holiday, like how we can get together and celebrate and express gratitude and, and come together with while still maintaining like a safe distance or whatever safety level you need to to maintain for yourself. Right. It's a flip that I think is is an interesting one to look at in relationship to this episode of food is more than fuel, but go go the other direction. Fuel is more than just food. 
Like when we get together, a meal is very often the focal point of a family gathering. But does it have to be the main focal point of a family gathering? Like I know that there's plenty of people, I had friends growing up that they would get together and there would be like a kickball game where the family would go on a bike ride like before they sat down for the meal. Can that be the focal point of the entire gathering? Like it seems like that might be a different way to do it. And I'm not saying that you can't have have food with each other, but does sitting down and especially if if over the past years you took traditionally overdo it on certain things or you feel bad or you're trying to restrict off of things don't put such a giant emphasis on the food that you're taking in on one day out of the year like there can be a whole lot of other aspects to that day that make the entire day just a very enjoyable time yeah I agree that's a nice way to look at it um it's it's funny because I, I I do see that for sure, but I do still think that you know food obviously is is an important part of of certain holidays and of certain family gatherings. I know, and you share your love by making delicious food and sharing it with other people. I do. I'm just thinking one way. It's, that is certainly one way that you yeah. do it. But we've also done you know Christmas breakfast and then mm-hmm. gone out for a family bike ride and yep. then come back and enjoyed some more time together. Like you can put, and it, I'm not saying that you have to go out and, and knock out a 20 miler like. That's not necessary, but you can spend time with your loved ones besides just sitting around the kitchen table. That's true. Especially if you want to do more outdoor types of activities, like a lot of the people are recommending to try to stay outdoors, um, you know, bringing meals outdoors or bringing activities outdoors. Now, obviously that's going to be restricted in certain climates versus others like we in south florida thank goodness are blessed with more temperate weather at this time of year it was a brutal winter run this morning at 72 degrees 72 degrees it's about time it's starting in the sevens around here so yeah i think that this is just a, a helpful way to kind of start to reframe what the holiday might mean for us right because Thanksgiving traditionally is all about the food, right? And it's all about gathering around the food, which may or may not be a good idea for you right now. So what can you do with your family, with your loved ones, with your friends to still gather, whether that's in person or virtually or outdoors, um, or to still be together in some way that may not look like the traditional Thanksgiving that we're used to. Right. I mean, it just kind of makes you stop and think about the whole aspect of the day, the whole aspect of really kind of getting together with the holidays, which brings to a really important aspect of just really thinking about what you're eating in the first place. Yeah. Like it's, it's paying attention to not just like how you're eating, how you're getting together with other people, but also what you're eating. And, you know, this is is a thing that kind of people get into trouble with during the holidays is the mindless eating, especially when they gather as a big group of foods just sitting out. You know, I know that when, um, when I was growing up, Thanksgiving had one meal during the day. Like there was the Thanksgiving dinner in my family. And then I went to college and I visited, I had Thanksgiving at my college roommate's house and food came out like around lunch and then never disappeared. Mm-hmm. It was still out. Sometimes it would go into the fridge for like health purposes and then come back out and get reheated. But you literally ate from like noon until you decided to go to bed. Oh yeah. I mean, growing up, my parents were divorced. And so I had to go to my dad's at noon every holiday. And then we would have whatever meal we had there. And then I went back to my mom's house and had the same meal again. Because yes. there's clearly always the traditional meal that you make for Thanksgiving or Christmas. 
Christmas or, you know, New Year's or whatever it might be. So I had to eat the same thing all day long, starting at noon. And then it was like if I ate too much at my dad's house, then mom would be upset because then I wouldn't have as much of an appetite there. So I would still have to eat at mom's house and, again, ignore those cues that my body was giving me, Yes, because you still have to clean the plate. You still have to clean the plate, right? But so here's the thing, though, too. And and now that we're adults and, you know, there's wine involved and all sorts of fun stuff, like – there are different levels of temptation. And so going back to what Kevin was saying with like the mindless eating versus being more mindful, which is what we like to um, promote, right? Being mindful of everything in your life, being mindful of your running, being mindful of your mindset, being mindful of all of these things. Your eating is definitely one of them. And I think that Thanksgiving and other holidays and just the holiday season in general can lead to a lot of the mindless eating where you're just kind of like having a glass of wine and then you just eat a little bit more and you aren't necessarily, and not that you have to track, right? Cause that's not the point of this episode. We're not telling you, you should be tracking and restricting and any of that, but just being mindful of what you're putting into your body is important. Right. I mean, and I know that this has definitely gotten away from me on, on certain, certain gatherings. Sometimes the ones that we have in our house, I'm just thinking of other holidays and and gatherings at other people's houses. When food is always out, I will tend to continue to graze on whatever is sitting there. Mm -hmm. Like if you put a drink in my hand, I will continue to drink it as long as it's still in my hand, which is why I like to put it down on a counter because otherwise I'll just finish whatever's if, if there's a plate of food in front of me, I'm going to finish it. That's just kind of how my brain works. So I need to step away from areas where there's food. Otherwise I'm full before we sit down for the meal, mm-hmm. which leads to other issues. Cause then, you know, you have to clean your plate. Right. But then it's also, you know, if you are say, if you are drinking alcohol, like that tends to change how you regulate yourself right like how you know you tend to just kind of eat more or you kind of the the other ways that you're that you like to eat kind of go out the window and again sometimes that's okay but would you be happy about it the next day you know would you be happy that you had that extra serving of whatever it might be um and in some cases it's fine right like one day again does not derail anything and i think that this is also very important to point out just like we talked about last week about if you got injured or if you get sick and you miss a day of your training plan that one day or those couple of days are not going to completely derail you you're gonna be fine same thing with eating like if you go off and decide you're gonna overeat on Thanksgiving or you don't decide it and it just happens right like you can get back into it the next day but you don't need to feel guilty about it I think that's really the huge thing is is trying to remove that sense of guilt and just saying okay well that's what happened now I'm going to get back on track and be more mindful of everything yeah it's it's the whole idea that you're derailed and you won't be able to get back until blah 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 it's the all or nothing mindset right and i mean this is why people hit the holidays they're like oh man it started with thanksgiving and it just snowballed through new year's but once i hit new year's then i'll be back and they're giving me the like once i hit new year's i'll i'll start eating healthy i'll start exercising i'm like it's december 7th like why are you waiting three more weeks well it's like the f it all effect right (laughs) and so like you know i'm it's a family show so we will say F, but you know, it's some people, once they make one quote unquote bad decision, I'm going to put quotes around that for sure. Right. But if they make one decision that they think is bad, um, then they're like, well, I already did that. So might as well. So the the whole thing's out the window. Like, no, it's not. And it doesn't have to be like, you can have 
a meal. You can have an extra dessert. And that doesn't mean that you're then derailed for the next month and a half. Like that's too much. You know, think, try to get out of that all or nothing mindset and say, you know what? That's what happened. Maybe you even chose it. Maybe you mindfully chose that you were going to eat until you were full and stuffed because you wanted to be, maybe you love everything about Thanksgiving. You love the food and that's fine. It's one day, right? It's one day. Just start back the next day and and get back into the routine that's going to make you feel better. Yeah. Like that's part of the, I'm going to eat until I'm stuffed. That means that you've already accepted the outcome of that, which probably means that your run the next day may or may not exist or go well, Mm -hmm. because you're probably still going to be remarkably uncomfortable. Like I know that I, I would be, I've had some really rough Thursday runs. It was very difficult when I was in high school because the California state meet is the Saturday following Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So you mean Friday runs? I've had rough Friday runs following Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. You said Thursday. Following a Thursday Thanksgiving, okay. I've had some rough Friday runs. Gotcha. Okay. But you had two days to recover in California. Yeah. Like his, you would you'd eat on Thanksgiving And then at my house, then you would have Thanksgiving leftovers the next day. But in high school, we had to take off. Like there was a six year span between my sister heading to the state meet and my heading to the state meet that everybody had to take off to Fresno the next day Mm -hmm. so that you could then like spend the night and get up because you raced super early the next morning. Well, that was like the the weekend that you ran Space Coast Marathon. That was the weekend after Thanksgiving as well. Yes. It was very reminiscent of California, of my high school, high school training. But it's like that, that right there is is taking the bigger picture in mind right is is keeping in mind that on thanksgiving you can't go overboard because then you're not going to feel good during that weekend when you want to actually perform well right which has literally transformed my thanksgiving eating pretty much since then like in high school i tried to to somehow pull off both of eating a ton of food and then still being able to race well on saturday which usually didn't end well um but since like space coast i've felt good and i've i've pulled back i still eat all the food on thanksgiving but i don't eat until i can't move i don't eat till discomfort because i've realized that there's no reason to eat till discomfort because that's you know uncomfortable right and you tend to space it out more too i do you know i think that's another thing too is like if you want to eat all the food then you don't have to eat it all at once you can start it earlier and then kind of like space it out more i think it obviously it depends on what's going on wherever you are spending that day um but i think that that's another important thing too is like you don't have to eat all of the things at the same time you can have some of the things and then go back and get some later you know, and kind of give your body time to digest a little bit. Sure. And the whole timeline of getting together this holiday season is going to be a little different. So you might actually just have it dumped on your lap that food is going to get spaced out a little more this year. Mm -hmm. That could be a win for you. Right. All right. But ultimately, I think that it all comes down to being mindful, right? Being mindful of the food that we're putting in, in your body, in our bodies, because Yes, food is fuel, but it's also such a beautiful thing that we can share with other people and make it something that can help bring us together. And I think that we just have to be very mindful of that balance, right? Being being able to balance putting good fuel into our bodies to fuel ourselves as runners and as athletes, but also making sure that we are still enjoying our life. 
Yeah, and I mean, this kind of goes to the whole idea of there's not bad food, there's not good food, there's not like, it's not morally wrong to eat whatever you yeah, want. food is not moral. Yeah, you don't have to hide certain food, you don't have to like rush through part of your meal like, ooh, I put way too much potatoes on my plate, but if I eat them real quick, then no one will notice and judge me. No one's going to notice and judge you, you ate some potatoes, it's going to be okay. Right, and if you take an extra slice of pie, enjoy it. Like, this is the other thing, like, I just want people to start removing the guilt around food. Because like Kevin said, food is not good or bad. There is no moral morals around food. It's just your choice. Like when you see it as your choice, you can be more empowered in your decisions. Like I'm going to choose to eat this and I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it. And is it going to fuel my body the best? Maybe not. Like are mashed potatoes and butter and gravy full of all sorts of macro and micronutrients that are going to make you a better runner? Not really. It's There's a lot of carbohydrates in there. So carbohydrates, Carbo-loading, there you go, right? But like, do you love mashed potatoes and butter and gravy? Then have some, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, be mindful of your choices. Remove the guilt. Enjoy your food and enjoy your life. Yeah, I mean, be aware that you're in charge of the food. So when there's a pumpkin pie sitting there and an apple pie and you think to yourself, wow, those both really look good, and you take a slice of both, don't feel bad as you're eating it. That just completely takes all the enjoyment out of why you put two pieces of pie on your plate in the first place. You're in charge of making that choice. The food is not in control of your level of happiness. If you thought, I'm going to eat both of these because, wow, those look delicious then let them be delicious and eat them with a big giant smile on your face and then undo a little notch on your belt. Yeah, exactly. So that's what we have for you today. We hope that you have a wonderful week with your family, with your friends, however you are choosing to celebrate this holiday. Or if you're not celebrating this holiday, just being grateful for all the things that you currently have in your life, all the blessings. And I really challenge all of us to really bring that gratitude in. A lot of people complain about this year and, oh, 2020 this and 2020 that, but let's think about all of the good things that 2020 has brought us because there are a lot for sure. There certainly are. It's really tough to, if you start thinking gratitude, that list really does go on and on. Yeah, for sure. So thank you guys for joining us today. We appreciate you spending this time with us. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 171. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there.